Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Adam Osier continue their discussion on the small called articles, looking at an Old Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osher. All right. Welcome back, guys. We are in our um, Bible study episodes as we continue to talk about the law of God and uh, walking through the small called articles. And uh, today we're going to look at a passage in Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Can you verify, Brett, is this a Psalm of David? Ooh. At some point in time, I'm, I do this all the time. I've been preaching on the Psalms all year. Yes, it is. And uh, I always that. give David credit when he's not attributed. So I was like, oh, we should probably find out if this <laughs> yeah, is actually Before we get started, yeah. 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 And this is, yeah, Psalm of David. Yep. Great. That's all I had. Okay. How's that for a prequel or a, a prelude? <laughs> and, yeah. and this always gets me because it's <clears throat> Psalm 19, mm-hmm. but it sounds so much like Psalm 119. Yeah. That it, yep. yeah, that I always have to like double check. Like if I have this, for instance, if I'm teaching and I have the reference down, I have to like double check myself every time because they sound so much yep. alike in terms of their reference to, uh, well, the law of God, as you will find out. Right, right. Brad? Yep. And I'll read the passage for us today. We're looking at Psalm 19. I almost said 119. <laughs> <after you> said <laughs> that, that would have been hilarious. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. And a reading from the ESV says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Uh, here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. 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 Now I just want honeycomb. Well, this, this, yeah. this is biblical proof that breakfast yeah. cereal is divine and <laughs> sanctioned by God. Honeycomb, honeycomb. We want honeycomb. Uh, honey, honeycomb is surprisingly delicious for food made out of styrofoam. <laughs> it's surprisingly delicious. Yeah. Uh, I wanted a student the other day. Well, that's another story. We okay. won't go there. Okay. I like, yeah. I, want, I wanted a student to give me their. Fruit Loops, because they we have these you know cereal oh. you know individual things. I hear they all taste the same, like they're all one flavor. They just have different colors. I wanted to test that theory, but the student wouldn't give me their Fruit Loops. So, <laughs> never mind. That was the most unimportant story uh, yeah. we have told bet, in all of this yeah. whole arc. I bet. But I had to say that after I yeah yeah. I would bet there's so much sugar on it you can't tell, but I would bet there's a hint of different. Fruit flavors. I don't know. I'm going to do that. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, test it out. We need to do some blind tests. Yes. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I think my kids, I think my wife gets it for my kids sometimes. Maybe there'll be some. Yeah. I don't even like Fruit Loops, though. I don't. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, (laughs) (laughs) That would be a modern rewriting of Psalm Psalm 19. Serial. Yeah. Yes. And, And, you know, part of the reason we wanted to look at this today is. 
and, and I think you mentioned last time, Jason, that sometimes we can think of the law as bad and the gospel good. Yep. And uh, and this, you know, intentionally choosing this this passage because this is just dripping with the law is good. It, this is yep. yeah. And and I wanted us to emphasize that in, in this. Well, and it's one of the things that you know Christians who go through. I don't know if you call it a doctrinal awakening or a, you know, a cage a just, stage. A, yeah. It, well, this, is, this, is, this isn't so much cage stage, <clears throat> yeah. but it like a reawakening, a rediscovery of gospel truths. Sure. You know, uh, we, we go into this stage where we really, really, really like the words of the gospel, which means that we're almost by nature opposed to the words of the law. And this is where this lie creeps in is law, bad gospel, good, because the law makes us feel bad. And it really does. The law accuses us of sin. That's what it's supposed to do. And we, whether it's post enlightenment, Western Christianity, or whether this is just endemic to the sinful nature of all people for all time, we associate something that makes me feel bad with being bad in and of itself. And that's the distinction we have to yeah. get rid of in our minds. We have to okay. move beyond because the law is, in fact, exceedingly good. And and, and hopefully I make a couple Ferdian's heads explode okay. when I say this. Hopefully <laughs> okay. it would be my desire. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the law is indeed gracious. And we have to round back to okay. the opposite of that, that God's law isn't grace. Right. Okay, we, we clarify, but it is a gracious thing for God to give us the law. Right. Because otherwise without it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But but the law gives us boundaries mm-hmm. and it guides us, but the law also causes us to repent. It's it's what breaks us down. And without the law, there would be no gospel. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think we'll see that next week yeah. in Romans. Yep. You know, if if we you know, look at that. I think that's our, our hope is to look at Romans next week. That's very much present in that in that conversation as well. Yeah. Do, do you guys think, and I was just thinking of this as you were saying this, Jason, do, do you think that, uh, have you ever heard of anybody that loves the law in a, almost like, what's that called when people want to be hurt? Where uh, Masochistic? Yeah, masochistic. Or is what, I don't know like, which yeah, one it is bring, where you hurt bring yourself. Bring it on. This is a law. I love it. Uh, yeah. Like in a, in, I have so many snarky comments <laughs> for that question. Just, it's called being a White Sox uh, fan. Oh. Uh, <laughs> This is called, called being a fan of 70s country music. <laughs> uh, I just imagine like... Loathe is myself. Adam, is it Adam Sandler in, in uh, Happy Gilmore where he's... he's oh, that hurt a yeah, little, right. but I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm preparing for the season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's there. there is a little bit... I mean, isn't that kind of the nature of the first part of the Da Vinci Code is you have that self flagellating crazy yeah, okay. catholic Self, guy self-flagellation yeah hurts so good yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it hurts <laughs> what are we doing uh, uh, all of the songs yeah it's there there's a little bit of that to it okay. but but all that is i mean we can we can dance around all that is is asceticism Hmm. Which is a, a known thing that's been around since forever. Also, also pronounced asceticism. If you're wondering, if you're googling it, <laughs> yes, I've always I pronounced think, it I've asceticism. Heard it pronounced both. I yeah. just want to. Yeah. Thanks, contrarian. Yeah. I was thinking. Speaking of self-flagellating <laughs> people who yeah. loathe themselves. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's <laughs> all that is is what it is. It's is yeah. thinking that there is righteousness in suffering, mm-hmm. and there is righteousness in suffering, but only as God 
prescribes it and uses it to sanctify. Okay. It's kind of like that don't seek out your own cross. God's going to give you enough to handle in the first place. Got it. But there is this notion that if I suffer, I get credit for it, which is, I mean, it's rooted in the Bible. It's one of the major themes of the Reformation. You know, part of the problem with the monks and the nuns and the priests and the cloisters and all of that is they would remove themselves from love of their neighbors because that was uncomfortable. And they would choose which ways to suffer uh, in ways that they could handle and probably secretly enjoyed. Hmm. You know, like I, I do not enjoy dieting. I stink at dieting. I, I, as odd as it sounds, I, I actually do like exercising, but I just don't make time for it because of the pain it takes to get to a point where I actually enjoy exercising and all of that. So well, I know people who like that and they're weird, but they like to do it. <laughs> yeah, people who you run. Yeah. 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 Right. People who run for fun. When it's 20 degrees outside and sleeting. Yeah, I don't get that. You're really dedicated. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Or, or the people who will put on those full-body spandex suits and ride their bikes in traffic. Yes. Yeah, they, <laughs> they enjoy that, and they maybe enjoy making people miserable. Okay. Stop making fun of those people. <laughs> okay. okay? So, <laughs> well, I'm just... Sometimes those was, people yeah, are okay. Brent started it. I started it. I get, okay, I'm yeah. fine with making fun of runners, but bikers uh, get off my yeah. spandex-wearing back. Okay. <laughs> I just can't handle that. No, all of that to say, you know, the, the, the whole idea that we are, are, you know, trying to get endorphins released yeah. by causing ourselves yeah. to keep the yes. law and whatever uh, and beating ourselves up. There is probably some psychological, but you got to chalk that up to some psychological malady rather than a, a you know, um, yeah, there's nothing scripturally, obviously, that we, right. we get that. And, and God, that's, that's the whole point I tell my students. You get the law, like I said last week, gets you so far and no further can only go so far and then it's absolutely worthless when it comes to 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 hurting us it, to showing us our mirror and causing us to despair uh it gets us to the cross and then it, just like in um oh my word what is that book um Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, I was going to totally yeah. say a different. Pilgrim's book, yeah. Progress. When they, uh, I'm glad you didn't, because I would never have gotten to Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> but where you know he gets Christian gets to the cross and then lays down his burden. You know that's that's exactly it. You know there was nothing pleasant about the burden. And I think that uh, you know Bunyan captures that. I was going to say Paul Bunyan. <laughs> What's his John Bunyan? John. There we are. Uh, <laughs> different giant of the faith. Um, <laughs> All, <laughs> what's wrong with us? See, this is what happens. We coffee get, break. Yeah, coffee we get to break, a coffee yeah. break, and here we are. Give me a little. Yeah. Anyway, do, do you so, want to know what book I was going to say before? Yes, you, yeah, oh, that would be no. fun. Now if you give I've a mouse a cookie. My, oh. <laughs> First book that popped if in my head. Give a Pharisee a rule. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. He's going to make another rule. Yeah. Then he's going to make another rule. Wow. Uh, so, so we we've kind of shown just how <laughs> we've shown nothing. How the how the law gets twisted up in different ways, but I mean, what's happening in this text? Here, what I mean, David is speaking about uh, just delighting in God's law. Uh, this yeah. is this is the first purpose of the law that we were we were talking about a couple episodes ago. This is the law is there to show us the holy will and character of mm. God. So we should love it, we should be grateful for it, and we should celebrate. It's what David's doing. The the word of God, as the word of God, purely as the word of God, is simply praiseworthy mm-hmm. at its core. Do you think first? Function, or do you think third? Um, because you're talking about the whole uh, the fear of the Lord, right? And and being yeah. for this for the Christian, just understanding the precepts of God change. It, we we start to look at the law differently as Christians. One of the things I do in class, 
when we talk about law and gospel distinction, what is a law statement? What's a gospel statement? We talk about identifying law and gospel, and we talk about applying it, which are two different things. But when we talk about identifying, I, I go through a series of questions. You know, is this a law statement or a gospel statement? One of the parameters that they go off of is the law is, is something that we do. So I ask the question, go and make disciples. Long pause, super quiet. Gospel? <laughs> no, there's an imperative. No, yeah, it's, it's it's something you're doing, you know, uh, in terms of going out and making disciples and baptizing. It's something we do, but 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 that that's where it clicks for them that the law isn't something that's bad. It's something that's good, and it's something that as Christians, as with a new nature, we recognize that the law is exactly what we've been talking about: the purpose of God, the will of God, yep. the the uh, the way life works best, and therefore we can see and, and recognize the value in the commands of God. I think, and, and, and we're going to get into this, I think, a little bit here in this in this passage, but I think this is a passage where we, we start talking about, I think this is speaking to the believer. I don't think this passage makes sense outside mm. of mm. a right relationship and faith in the promises of God, sure. being I, I, Christ, ultimately fulfilled in Christ. I think you're right, but I still think it's first purpose where it's declaring the glory of God, the beauty of God, because you look in just in the nature of Hebrew, certainly we've got the English in front of us and not the Hebrew, but the repeated phrase over and over again is of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord. And that is designed to draw us in. And so you've got two things drawing us into the focus. One is the variety of ways in which God's word shows up or God's law shows up. We've identified testimony, precepts, commandment, fear, rules, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth, but it's all of the Lord. And we remember what makes the law special is not that it's of the law, it's that it's of the Lord. Sure. Hmm. And mm-hmm. and so that's, I think there's probably quite a bit of unpacking we could do with that because the nature of the sinful nature is to celebrate the law characteristics and not the of the Lord characteristics. And so you've got the Pharisees who take the law and build the quote unquote hedge around the law by making more rules. And, and Jesus said, you, you don't get credit for making more rules. You tithe mint and Dill and cumin, like you said last week, Adam. You do that. Making laws, making rules isn't what makes you holy. It's where they come from and why they come from that source. It's God's law guiding us, providing for us, giving us boundaries, revealing who he is for us. That gives the law its special nature. Yeah. It's interesting if you were to take this, you know, in the broader context, I think it's this same passage, is it not, as at the beginning? Uh, and I just have, like, we, we've copied this passage in, in my notes right now. Mm-hmm. That's what I have in front of me. Yep. I don't have my Bible open. I just have this passage. But if it, the the first four verses, right, talk about declare, the heavens declare the, the, yep. Yep. the glory of God in the, in the sky above proclaims his handiwork, you have that picture of, you know, natural revelation that we mm-hmm. should all know. And there is, there's a sense and there's a balance here, because you're absolutely right, Jason, where you're talking about. The heavens declaring the glory of God is very much a first function kind of thing. It's like, no, you should, and and Paul draws the same conclusion in Romans 1, you should know better. You you know, having, having seen God's, you know, you know, personality and his, 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 uh, reality displayed in the heavens, you shouldn't have an excuse yet. Here you are trying to make some sort of argument that God doesn't exist. That's me paraphrasing Paul, but the whole, you look back at the special, the heavens declare the handiwork of God, all the world should, should see. And, and, and this is, but, but this is where I go back to the third function piece is for the person who's seeing that there is a God outside, uh, you know, seeing his will expressed, the, the natural re- reaction 
is going to be that mirror of it doesn't work for me. I am not there. And that produces terror, not delight. You know, the, the law unattached or untethered to the gospel or, or, or at least not or drawing you to the gospel, the law terrifies. It doesn't delight. And I think so that that would be. You know, the, the reviving of the soul, the testimony, yeah, yep, making yep. wise, uh, all of those positive things, rejoicing the heart and enlightening, enduring forever, true, righteous, amen. You know, this is great, yet we don't. Oh. And that's, you know, as the, the only the Christian, I think, and in, in David's case, the, the believer in the promise of the Messiah to come, you know, he, he was saved by faith as well as Abraham and all the Old Testament characters. But all of that has to be... It, it, uh, this is predicated on that, okay. that they have had confidence in the one who is to come. I, I think this would be a good good thing to point forward here, uh, talking about the law always accuses, but the law doesn't only accuse. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. So, okay. like, Was that th- a Melanchthon saying? No. Uh, well, the Ma- Melanchthon in... Uh, yeah, in the Apologies, yeah. the law always accuses. Mm-hmm. And then recent Lutherans, a couple of different people, I get it from Reed Lessing, uh, but it, it's been said various times and in various ways. Uh, <laughs> Merry, times, Christmas. Merry, <laughs> Merry Christmas <laughs> to you. Now, uh, the law always accuses, but it doesn't only accuse. And this is what's going on here. And, and I think, you know, because we've already co-opted it, we go back to right. the Great Commission. Right? The Great Commission is, in fact, instructive. Yeah. It's, it's paradigmatic yeah. if we really wanted to get fancy schmancy. That it, it says, we, as we are going, you know, they're going, we make disciples, we do this by teaching and preaching, or by baptizing. preaching and baptizing. How could you leave out baptism? Yeah, I'm a crypto-Calvinist. <laughs> uh, so so that, that it's paradigmatic. It, it's something we should celebrate. It has been celebrated to the fact that it sounds Christian-y enough that your students regularly aren't able to identify it's a law passage. Well, that's great, because... It, it functions in other ways. Mm-hmm. But what we don't realize is even as Christians, that law damns us because the law is always accusing us. So insofar that God has given us instructions, that Jesus has promised both his presence and his power in our lives as we're making disciples, that's verse 18 and the end of verse 20 of Matthew 28. The, same, the, the thing is, Brett, you and Adam, you and me, we're not making disciples good enough. Mm-hmm. We're not doing it well enough. We're not doing it enthusiastically enough. So that damns us because that's the nature of the law. So even as David writes the words of Psalm 19, we see, you know, we mentioned the, the first part of Psalm 19, the apologetics passage in intelligent design. And this part is, guess what? You're not loving the law of God enough. And even that mm-hmm. is law. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of that is not just because God doesn't want us to feel good for too long and kick us to the curb. It's that as much as we love the law, the law is always in service to the gospel. And, and even passages of praise like this mm-hmm. are intended to lead us to the gospel. Mm. Is, that yeah. how, is that how David is able to say, in keeping them, there is great reward? Because of the gospel? Because of the gospel, uh, because, yeah, it's a vocation passage, ultimately. Mm-hmm. But also because this is, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking firsts in, in all these numbers. That's a first article of the creed blessing. Hmm. So that sure. yeah. in yeah. keeping God's law and following God's like designed life, life order. Life works best yeah, in this life way. Works yeah, best, you said it that way, yeah. Adam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Life works best when it's ordered according to God's design. Mm-hmm. So that's a first article of creed blessing, but it's also vocational. 
that we're fulfilling the law as we love our neighbor because we don't need credit for our good works. And there's great blessing in that too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I think that in keeping them, there is great reward. Uh, I like that. You're talking about first article, things work best this way. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say, too, sure. is exactly, yeah, it, you know, yeah, yeah that you can look at this text and people can say, oh, look, we can keep the law yep. in light of our previous conversations. Yeah, yeah. I, my neighbor didn't kill me. <laughs> that's a that's a bonus. That's the first you article know? of the Creed blessing. <laughs> Amen. I didn't get killed yeah. today. Thank you, in neighbor. In certain cities, that's more real than others. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I live in you know safer part, but yeah, um, yeah, all of that is is real. There, you know, Brad, I was gonna I was gonna talk with how it you know fits into the gospel. You you know mm-hmm. you've asked that, or we talked about that a little bit. I I think that. Jason's point of it's always being in service to the gospel. Uh, you talk about that a little bit, because that was actually a point that was really valuable to me in understanding the relationship of the law. Because coming from a legalistic background where I I understood the law, you know, I, I, I vacillated. I was the despairing person. I can't keep this. It's too hard. Why, God, would you make me do this? You're mean to okay, I think I can manage when I've made little bite-sized chunks of the lie. I didn't, you know, swear today. I didn't, whatever, <laughs> you know, all of these things. Um, and then once, once I recognized that the gospel was um, so beautiful as it was, and I heard Romans 8, 1, that there's no condemnation now for anyone in Christ Jesus, that whole idea that Jesus paid it all made me angry at the law. And it wasn't until... You know what I mean? And part of that is because it was that thing above your head that always told you how you weren't good enough. That's how I viewed the law. I never viewed it as perfect, reviving, soul reviving kind of stuff, testimony of the Lord, making wise and simple. No, I viewed it as an evil taskmaster. And it wasn't until I realized that the law was there to serve the gospel that any of the, the relationship of law to gospel, especially in the believer's sense, made any sense. And you had a similar background. I was nope. curious as, you know, did that... Did that law and service to the gospel statement, I wasn't to say paradigm, but, but that statement change the way you viewed the law or was, what was it that made you come to the realization? Cause you and I had the same background. Yep. Uh, Brett's really good. So yeah, like, if anybody could come close to keeping the if law, it, Brett might be it. In my, my background, I just, I really loved the law and, and enjoyed it. You know, it was almost in a legalistic in a, in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So from your perspective, Jason and my background different. We're coming at it from two different angles. How did you get to the point where you could say the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul? It it was a matter of how often I had access to the forgiveness of sins. Uh, Adam, you and I were raised in an environment and, and can't speak for you, Brett. Maybe you were and it didn't affect you in the same way. But more often than not, the environment we were raised in was that forgiveness of sins was for conversion, but not for the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And so the gospel was preached for the purpose of conversion. The law was preached for the purpose of sanctification. And so once I knew I had a conscious uh, experience of faith, is kind of the language pietistic circles have used, then it was only the law that was given to me and I wasn't living up to the law. And and what I find out is I think about it now and I've been kind of repackaging this as I've, I've thought more about it. What I was doing is I was addicted to inventing conversion experiences in my life because I so desperately needed the gospel. 
Hmm. So I was always recommitting my life to Christ because I craved that gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and so the words that, you know, I've mentioned this several times on, on the show before, the words that saved my life is that from the, the, from the large catechism, second article of the creed, uh, number paragraph number 55 and 56, I think it's that we are in the Christian church where there is nothing but the continuous uninterrupted forgiveness of sins. And that was the moment I realized I had access to the forgiveness of sins as a Christian. Hmm. And that's when everything started to fall into place because then I reverse engineered in my theology the whole of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And it was at this point that, oh, I have access to the forgiveness of sins, which means the law is doing something else in my life. And that's where the law always being in the service of the gospel, it, as odd as it sounds, because I'm, I'm one of the Lutherans who will rail on October 31st as the date for Reformation Sunday. I hate that Reformation Day is on October 31st because it's a, a Roman Catholic monk who, monk who remained a Roman Catholic monk for at least two more years okay, June, did a normal... June, what is it? Yeah, June 25th. Augs- okay, June yeah. 25th, Augsburg Confession. All right. Did a normal academic <laughs> exercise and wasn't trying to do anything, right? Mm. June 25th is actually a confession. We'll have a whole episode of me ranting about Reformation Day one time. We'll just do it. Get on my system for like 10 minutes. But uh, Luther got it right with the first theses. A bunch of the 95 theses are absolute trash, and even Luther would say so. But uh, thesis number one is when God said, repent, he will that the whole life of a believer be one of repentance. Mm-hmm. And that's where the laws and service of the gospel. God doesn't want to smite. God doesn't like smiting. He doesn't take any sadistic joy in catching us sinning. God wants to condemn us of our sins so that we'll beg him for mercy because God wants to have mercy on us. That's the whole point of the law. And, and you see this in gentle ways in scripture, but the most amazing ways you see it are in the heaviest law judgment passages that exist in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, God's like, look, I punished you guys with pestilence and with plague and with wild creatures and with foreign enemies, and you still did not repent. <laughs> you know, or, or in Revelation, it's like, like, I rained fire from heaven down on you. And mankind still did not repent. And it's the whole way. God wants you repenting. When you sin and and the miserableness of your life is your fault, God wants you to repent because he wants to have mercy on you. Mm -hmm. When things are going terrible in your life and it's not your fault, God wants you to repent because he wants you to know he hasn't abandoned you. But then Romans 2, 4, when things go right in your life and God blesses you, he still wants you to repent because he wants you to see his hand of mercy in your life. And that's where the law is always in service of the gospel because the gospel is God's final word. It's his ultimate word. It's his perfect word. The law is perfect too. Oh, what a bad way to end that rant. But the law is perfect too. But but the gospel is his word realized. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. The Free Lutheran Bible College invites you to attend Christmas at FLBC on December 1st through the 3rd, featuring performances by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary Choirs and the Symphonic Wind Ensemble. To register for free or find the live stream information, look at flbc.edu slash Christmas. God bless you and have a great week.